Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. Hi, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, game one down. It's not going well for the Suns. I, I feel good for myself, but that's not what anyone here wants to hear about, Kevin. <laughs> they want to hear about how the Suns did, and they did not do well. Uh, game one, I, I put it in the headline, Kevin, is they got steamrolled. Uh, 125-107. Um there are a lot of different – some games are simple. Some of them are complex. This one is simple with a lot of complexities. We'll start with the most obvious thing, which was midway through the second quarter, I was like, oh, the, the Nuggets have taken 13 more shots. That's bad. That's really – that's that early in the game especially, that's a really bad thing. Um, and basically how this game turned out is the Suns played a really good first quarter, but they were only up by two, I want to say, or four, something like that. Or they were – Yeah, one or two, I think. Uh, they were up by one and it felt like it didn't feel like they should be up more because Denver was playing really well, but there was just something off about it. And then when the turnovers and offensive rebounds for Denver really started to pick up in the beginning of the second quarter, the math in terms of the shot attempts just started to get in this crazy spot because I think that's kind of where we land right now, at least is that these are where we landed coming into the series too. It's not like this was a grand awakening of how good the nuggets are. But this was one of those things where, yeah, if you allow a team like this to take 15 more shots than you midway through the second quarter, you're not going to win because they're really, really good. And my lead was the Suns can't win just because they're more talented than teams anymore. They won in five games over the Clippers, especially because they were more talented because they didn't have Kawhi and Paul George, I did not feel like that was the storyline of why they lost last year or why they lost two years ago. Uh, but this game especially was just like, hey, if you guys fumble it up in the in the little areas just a bit, they're going to pounce on that and beat you. And, and it was just, it wasn't even a little bit. Like they were committing bad turnovers. They were giving up bad offensive rebounds and they did it for seven, for like five to seven minutes too much. And then that was it. That, that was the game. I can look at this two ways. Um, One way is I just think that they just had one of those games where they didn't get into the Nuggets at all. Like, I didn't notice Josh Okogie. I don't think Jamal Murray noticed Josh Okogie. I don't think he noticed Landry Shamit. I don't think he noticed anyone. I, I saw Chris Paul fighting, honestly. Like, I saw him being physical on defense more than anyone else, and that's not good because he has to just to be even at this point in his career. Um, The other part of it is the the exact same reason I don't want to pick the Suns in this series is because, look, this team played even for maybe 80, 75, 80% of the game. They, They played even with these Nuggets who have a really awesome offense, right? And... Defense or offense aside, there are just two two stretches, one in the second. It might have been the full second quarter, honestly. They scored 19 points, got outscored 18. 
But then that nine minute to like five minute ish mark in the fourth quarter where it was just done. And I know they're already down like 10 to 13 ish. Um, but just they have these lapses where things just go cold or the focus isn't there. And that's what I took out of the Clippers series is they didn't get rid of that from the regular season. They didn't get rid of that from the Clippers series. Um, you're not going to go far in the playoffs doing that and not having complete games. Like, I don't think this team has played a complete game. Um, and that's not even from like worrying about they didn't get off enough threes. They don't have enough bench unit. They just don't have a focus for 48 minutes. And until I see signs that they're going to change that, um, I, I don't know how seriously I can take this team, to be honest. Yeah. One point before we're, we're going to get to some bright spots and optimism because this is going to be a pretty overtly negative episode and we don't want to act like the series is wrapped up or have you listen and feel like, Oh, well they think it's nuggets and four or whatever. Um, To your point, collective efforts. I've talked about wear down effect for this team a whole lot in the past two years. And I can't remember seeing much wear down effect this year in general, where they play a complete three, 3.25 quarters. And then by the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter, the other team looks exhausted and they're just like mentally and physically drained because of what the Suns put them through. And the, the way that I put it in there was just the Suns cannot be like this with things that are just effort and engagement. Like it's just coming down to effort to be physical. The turnovers are just being engaged. And that's the kind of stuff where it was the opposite. We would see Kevin, where they were so good at making the other team feel like they were outworked because they were, and they were so good at putting the other team under duress by seeming more engaged, which engagement's like a funny thing. Like, you can see it from afar, but then when you look inside of it more, it's not as much of a decisive thing. But like from the eye test and everything, Denver was just more locked into this game. And that's not exactly what happened, I think. I think Phoenix was just as engaged, quote unquote. But with everything they did wrong, you just have to point at engagement. Um, to go to the optimism point, to to what what's optimistic for the sun slash what really worked for the nuggets. Um, Aaron Gordon just like wasn't missing jumpers and he was tremendous in this game. The stat that I had in the recap is that he had 36 total points in the four games two years ago. And that was in a role where they needed his offense and they don't really need his offense a ton on this team. And he had 23 um, in this game. He was nine of 13 from the field. I thought that he was really good. I thought that every time just about nearly every time their team was positioned to strike offensively they did uh murray had a lot to do with that 34 points nine assists those were both game highs and man nikola Jokic had a bad game to his standards i I saw matt moore tweet that and i completely agree with him as well on that and he sees he sees Jokic nearly every night um he was nine of 21 and that he kind of turned that into at one point i think it was five of 18 so he got it figured out at some point or five of seven or 16 but he had 24, 19, and 5. Like He was still pretty darn good in this game overall. Michael Porter Jr. faded as the game went on, but he hit some big shots early as well. And to the optimistic point, I, I just think everyone played really, really, really well for Denver. Bruce Brown had 14, and like yeah. to your point, Kevin, when he was scoring in the pick and roll in the fourth quarter, I was like, you guys cannot go out like this. Like it's If you're, if you're watching Bruce Brown as a Suns fan for the first time, you're not thinking of him – 
as the player that he is. Like you're thinking of this guy as like a really adept pick and roll ball handler and scorer. And Bruce Brown has gotten much better over the years and he is serviceable there and can make teams pay. But he was just killing them in, in that, in those small ball um, situations. And that is kind of what I'll go with in terms of optimism there is that pretty much ever, everyone on Denver played well and then to another point, I think a lot of what Phoenix did wrong is correctable. Again, the offensive rebounds, uh, Denver had 16. It was 16 to 8. The The overall statistics didn't point at a ton in terms of points off turnovers. I think it was 18 to 7. But then second chance points, Nuggets only won by 2. And then the Suns won fast break points by 3. So yeah. that's my way of saying to provide some optimism here before we get to way more negatives is that everyone in Denver played well. And most of what the Suns did wrong is correctable. But to your point, Kevin is, can they correct it? And to our series preview conversation that you kind of ended it on by picking the nuggets to win this series, you just did not have faith in everyone on the roster. You, you lacked faith in uh, pretty much everyone, but Kevin and Devin, and you look at this game, I didn't feel an impact impactful performance or just much of a contribution from anyone besides those two guys. Yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. And again, like I think the 75, 80%, the Suns played right with them, right? Like they were trading buckets. The offense looked functional, like complain about the threes or not. Um, Maybe like they should probably try more threes and try to find better spacing lineups because they were getting, like we talked about going into the series, they were getting a lot better looks than they would get against the Clippers. There was a lot more space for DA to work in the mid post. There was a lot more space for like Devin and Kevin and and even Chris were getting into the paint, just blowing by guys. Um, And that's why they shot 55% for most of the game. I feel like until that um, group after they waved the white flag kind of went in. Um, But yeah, it's, I I guess that's my optimism and it's like, okay, if you say, I think Josh Okogie can play better defense and at least bother Jamal Murray off the jump. Cause that's one of those classic, like hyper elite scorer guys, which we talked about, like he's proving to be that comes into a game. He gets a couple shots going and it just builds and builds and no one hits him. Chris Paul, um, that one, foul on the breakaway where he went for the ball and they went to review for whatever a flagrant like that was the only time I even saw someone like like you know what this I'm just gonna hit this guy a little bit right um which I I didn't think that was worth more than that but it was like I'm going for the ball but I might as well hit you while I'm going for the ball (laughs) um like that was the only time I noticed anyone on him like yeah everyone's like blowing up the time he turned around and shot one over a Shamit and said, he can't guard me. And, but he did the same thing to Tory Craig and Tory Craig six, seven, six, eight or whatever. And he's just shooting over him and there's no resistance and it looks easy. Um, so I, I think that they can improve there. Like I, we can talk about DA a little bit. I, he's going to be the scapegoat in these games, but again, Jokic didn't have the best game. And I, I, DA does bother him a bit, like even on yeah. bad games. Um, so that's negative, but like if you get a bad Jokic game, you do a little better on Murray. Again, Aaron Gordon, he, he could go 0 for 13 next game, possibly. Like he's been really good for them, but you never know. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's it is just a matter of like you don't see a good offensive kick or like any the Suns are like you know what you're gonna get, I think, at this point. And that's where I'm hesitating seeing them. And what they get from Kevin and Devin is really good, but it's just like a man, like the Denver Nuggets can get contributions and win so many different ways, and I don't know if the Suns have that right now. So what I wrote in the recap is that if Denver has one more game in this series where they have the best player and it's not Jokic, the Suns will not win those series. It just won't happen. Like they, they cannot afford to have another game this series where they, one, don't have the best player because it should be Booker or Durant every single night. That's what this entire thing was about, this whole trade all of this stuff, which they should have done, to be clear. I'm not saying in hindsight now it doesn't look like it was smart or anything, but that's what this was all about for them. And if they have nights where it's the, like the back-to-back MVP isn't the guy that's the best player on the floor, and that this is no shot at Jamal Murray. And if you're listening to this and you didn't hear our series preview or you didn't read what I wrote about Murray, I tweeted this, like, stop saying bubble Murray. Like, this is playoff Murray. Like, he's been a playoff performer for a while now. A lot of it happened in the bubble, but he's always stepped up in really big moments. This was a huge moment, I'm sure, for him personally with being on the sidelines, having to watch his team get swept when he was hurt. I'm sure this felt really good for him, and I expect him to be just about at this level the rest of the series. Like, I'm not willing to sit here and say that was the best game he's going to play in this series. This is a guy who can drop 40 or 50 on any night, let alone 34. Like it, it was one of those. It was the opposite of Durant last series, Kevin, where I looked at the box score and I was like, he only has twenty seven. It, it, like, it felt like he had fifty. He was yeah. remarkable. Um, <clears throat> to your other point, this, um, the way the Nuggets played and just the way they got contributions, this is why t- some people have been picking them to make the finals or win the finals in the past. Like just the way that Aaron Gordon played, just the way that he gave them contributions, the shots that Porter hit the contributions that they got off their bench, mainly from Bruce Brown, um, the way KCP was hitting big threes when he had to, his defensive effort, um, all that kind of stuff is there. Um, this is like the picture for them. And I, I'm i really not trying to say that this was the best game Denver is going to play in the series. But I, I do want to say to some effect, like even if the Suns would have cleaned up um, the offensive rebounding and the turnovers, I'm not sure they win this game anyway because of just how good Denver was and how much better Denver was as a collective unit as opposed to just two guys. And the Suns just can't go out that way uh, again. Uh, to get to Aiden, the, the one thing I'll say on him is he can't get outworked by Jokic. Jokic works yeah. really, really, really hard. This is not to say that Jokic kind of DeAndre was just jogging the entire game. There's one clip that's going viral of him where he was just standing under the basket for five seconds while Jokic was doing the tip drill with Durant. That's not that's not a good look, obviously. And there was another point where Chris either got the ball or was like starting the break off of a miss at like the free throw line under Denver's basket. And he turned around and DeAndre was just in front of him, not moving. And then he like tapped him and was like, let's go, buddy. We got to start running. Um, yeah. His effort wasn't absolutely horrible or despicable in this game, but there were just a handful of instances where they were not good. And Jokic didn't have any of those. He had zero. He is the back-to-back MVP, and he didn't have one of those. So if he's getting outworked by Jokic, it's just this incredible handicap that the Suns have to deal with because it's just this inherent, not advantage, but 
plus that they should have is that they have this guy who will work just as hard as Jokic, if not outwork him like he did two years ago and do so in a way that wears Jokic down over the course of a series. To your point, Kevin, um, I saw a few people referencing Jokic's misses as bunnies that they were around the rim, but DeAndre was affecting them. Like he was, he was not letting a, uh, Jokic get around his hip. He was staying with him, contesting well and making him fairly uncomfortable on these touch shots that he's mastered around 12 feet and in. And he masters a touch shot from anywhere, to be clear. But that that's what I'll say on DeAndre. Um, I saw your your point on Chris physicality on defense. I thought that he was there and I thought that Chris was like the one guy really trying to lead on the floor and just trying to pick pick up lead by example, but also. He took the blame post game for how they have to play faster, but there were three or four different times where I noticed him like telling guys he was getting the ball off a miss and looked and saw his guys jogging on the wings and was like, let's go. Like we got to go. Yeah. And and that goes to the threes, right? Like if if they're not playing fast enough, they're not going to generate threes. I think that's part of what Chris's answer was to the question about actually. Yeah. And real quick on Jokic, like people are going to cite the rebound numbers, but I'm curious how many of his missed shots and how many of his offensive rebounds, like if four of each come on like two plays and that's why those numbers are inflated. Cause it's like, I don't even think he took 21 shots. Like I can't even think of 12 shots he missed. Um, but anyway, to the point on the running, um, I don't know if you saw Michael Malone did say like, Hey, I noticed that the Suns are playing their guys these minutes and yeah, we definitely want to run on this team. And he's absolutely correct on that, especially being in Denver. Um, altitude there. We got that one in the podcast. Um, but like they, they were running a lot better. And I think, I think it matters again, talking about the spacing issues and wondering about like, if we ever see Terrence Ross enter this series and more Damian Lee and not Shamit not taking threes. Um, but just when the bench unit came in, I know that's like they're down 20 or whatever, but you just see the ball moving and you see that point offense happening so differently than when the starters are in. And it's just to me, man, it like Ish got a corner three. I think that was semi transition. Um, let me look. Damian Lee got four up, campaign got two up. Um, Tory Credit had a couple corner looks with the those, starters. The the ish and pain ones were like when the game was over, so we shouldn't even count those. Yeah, but it, it was through the offense or transition, and I'm just saying like how few minutes those guys all played mm-hmm. and how many threes, I'm trying to count it. Starters got up for 10 of the 23, and then the bench got 13 of 23. Um and we could do the math on the minutes, but just like the number of threes they got up was because of transition and the offense just looking different and not being bogged down in the half court um, to your point about Chris. So yeah, that that's an easy fix too. And it's not like the nuggets, they did not play some of their stars a whole lot. Like Jokic hit 33 minutes, but they don't go necessarily that deep either. Yeah, uh, let me end on the rotation. Uh, 20 assists and 16 turnovers for this team. Uh, that's a 1.25 assist to turnover ratio. They had a 2.18 against the Clippers, which led the league for the first round. And then in the regular season, they had the third best. It was about 2.01, 2.03, something like that, I believe. Um, 
campaign's got to play. Uh, you pointed it out during the game, and I was seeing the same thing. Booker and Durant were getting not wherever they wanted, but just about wherever they wanted in terms of single coverage, which is what you would expect. But, man, a lot of talk about Gordon and Caldwell Pope and how they are good matchups for them and how they have good bodies to throw at them. But they looked like they were in a breeze um, compared to the Clippers matchup, which is a lot of what I expected and part of why, not part of most of why I felt confident in the Suns in this series but it was not lead, especially when the second and third defenders were coming over. It was not leading to enough playmaking opportunities, not leading to enough threes. Book was the one doing it mostly in the short role, but Durant wasn't able to make. Sometimes he got he made the wrong read, uh, and there were other times where um, he was just slipping on the court in terms of the seven turnovers and only one assist. But Porter was on Okogi, and then he was on like whoever was the weakest offensive player. And I'm going to watch it back and be sure. But when I was watching it live, it looked like he was directly under the basket as the help guy. Like he, it wasn't even that he had two feet in the paint. He was like in the paint, like under the basket to help leaving that guy wide open. So uh, do we get to the point here where we're talking game three, game four about like Terrence Ross starting or uh, Craig starting in, in a lesser, uh, less extreme example? Um, I, I don't know, but there are ways for them to generate threes and uh, and on the pain point. Um, I think something to understand and something that I've learned a lot is that there can be times where a above average to like good defender, which is what Landry Shambit is, can be guarding a really good offensive player. If that offensive player thinks that that guy is food, that's more of what matters than the good defender playing good defense because the way Jamal was just gliding through his footwork to score on Shamit, I thought Shamit did well on him in certain stretches, and I don't think Shamit was getting absolutely like roasted and played bad defense or whatever. But Jamal at one point just said he can't guard me, and that's got to be why Shamit is out there because he provides more size in the backcourt and he can defend. Um, he can defend. Murray and be another option on Murray, but he can't guard Murray. Uh, and 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 this should this should more than be enough. Uh, we were already talking about a couple games ago how, and we went into the series even thinking like he wasn't going to be in the rotation, um, but he's here. And we've talked about it a lot. There there is clear appeal with what he can be and what he could be, but he has played I think 120 games now for the Suns at this point, and we have seen that guy for about 10 or 15 of them maybe. And, and not even in those full games and like segments of the games. And even, even if he's defending well, you need him to not hesitate with the ball. And he hesitated once or twice tonight. And when you're a guy that plays 15 minutes or 10 minutes, if you hesitate once or twice, that just kills it. It just kills it. And he is trying really hard. And Monty has a, a ton of faith in him. And I again, I understand why he has faith in him. People are lost on that point. I understand why, because what he can provide them is unlike anyone else on the team. But we are, uh, people will think we're well, 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 well past it. But I think we're just well past the point now where you can't reasonably expect him to turn it around. Like if Monty is playing him like he is suddenly going to click into form here. And then by the Western Conference Finals, we're talking about what a genius move this was to stick with him for so long. I, I don't think you can reasonably expect that anymore. And to make the point even more simple, the t- point he's coming in the game is as like the first sub, and that's when campaign normally comes in, and he can generate threes. He can get your assists up. Like you look at the problems from this game. It just makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I said on here, or I said somewhere else, like, Jamal Murray existing and them like is is probably a reason why we won't see um, pain 
at the start of the series, but because he's because he's a smaller guard and it seems like Monty really wants that size um, from the guards defending. But we're, we're at a point of, I think we've, like I said, people have been on this shame, I think, for months or even years now at this point. But tonight was just like it felt like the it felt like what should be the final nail in the coffin uh, to use the, the phrase. But I don't know. I, I can't reasonably say anymore because I've expected him to be out of the rotation for a while now. And again, no offense to the guy. He's a, he's a wonderful dude. He's trying his he's trying so hard to get this to work, but it's just not going to work. Yeah, I mean, it's just like after a couple seasons, you are who you are, right? And there's a reason that other teams tried him and he was in rotations and they're just like this, we'll try to trade him. Like, he's been traded a lot. Um, but more big picture about the bench unit, I'm, again, I don't want to like go too deep into it and, and say that's the reason because that, that's not the reason this team is where it is or why it had troubles against the Clippers, but there seems it to me, it's like a disconnect, right? Like if you fought so hard for TJ Warren to be in the Durant trade, if you sold Terrence Ross on joining your team, you gave them the minutes and you tinkered during the end of the regular season so much. And it looked like, okay, Monty's really just feeling this out. Um, trusting the process. And then to hit the postseason and just, you aren't using your options, I guess. And then with to the campaign point, like, look, he still might be getting into shape. We don't know um, on that point. So I, I'm going to say, like, yeah, if you're worried about that and you need to ramp him up a little more, it might take a few more games. But, man, like, getting downhill and also, like, he's the most important guy where if you are using a short bench, you need to use him. He saves Chris, obviously. Replace Chris with him when Chris is not in. If you are going to play KD and book 40 minutes a night in the playoffs for long periods of time, and you actually believe the analytics or whatever that say if they're not on the ball, that saves them if they're standing in the corner here and there more. That's campaign. He's going to help you do that. You can play them 40 minutes and have them rest more on the court. So I just don't know why, how long you can go without trying him at least. And and ramping him up as fast as possible and trying to get him back part of the rotation because there are just so many reasons why. And this is the third postseason I've just been on this point. And it's like, if you're not going to get a bunch of ball handlers, then you're going to have to rely on the ones you have more. And they're just not doing it right now. No, they're not. Uh, last thing I had on the bench and just everything overall, the, the Suns need to go small. They have to. Um, I wrote about this for part four of the final series and just Denver's bench and how this might be a situation where the Suns have to match it. And I didn't get to this at this point, but uh, Kevin, it, <laughs> I, I want to think of a clever metaphor right now for something that looks out of place, but I can't right now. But whenever the Suns run the mismatch thing and get a small switched on to the center or whatever you want to call it. Right. With Landale, Biombo, Aiden, whatever. It just doesn't look natural. It looks really painful for them to do it. And the craziest thing is Kevin, they, they were pretty good with it tonight. I thought that they were solid at least in getting the ball there and the shot conversion when it got there and they still got beaten those minutes because they weren't doing enough on the glass. They were still giving up offensive rebounds and, they're just not equipped as a team to be able to function like that. And I, 
I don't really know what the core problem is with them having an inability to do it and make it look so simple, as simple as it could be. But that combined with the fact that the threes and the pace and all that kind of stuff, you just have to go small. If you're not going to win the rebounding battle, especially and just beat them up on the boards, you have to go small. So whether that's Tori at the five, KD at the five, I don't know, but I think they have to. And like now, like I'm not saying like maybe in the future in the series, like, no, do it on Monday. Also, I I don't understand if you're going to keep the big in there. Like, again, DA was not necessarily terrible at all. But, like, the one play that worked was he found Shamit, like, and everyone collapsed and didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, yeah, do that more. But if you don't put shooters, enough shooters around DA, you can't make them pay as good as you actually, like, what what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to get two points, like, well, KD and Book are going to get two points um, in the mid range in the, your normal lineup, like, so if you think you're gonna win that mismatch of like them going small and you going big, you you need to at least have floor spacers around there, and they just don't match lineups where it's like, okay, we're gonna you're gonna try to do that, we're gonna try to hit a bunch of threes and space it or get da dunks and be a hundred percent from the two. So I just everything's kind of. 50 50 like we're kind of committed to doing it but we're not all in on on calling your bluff on this you know what i mean yeah um to wrap up i'm not feeling deja vu just yet but game two is going to be incredibly telling for me because you and i were just mashing our heads onto a desk over and over again talking midway through that dallas or not through that dallas series because you were not on the podcast you were off doing your life things um but i I was and even during the new orleans series kevin we were just like yeah we i I don't know who this team is we don't know who this team is we don't recognize them and until we see that team we don't know what to say and that's what we kept talking about in the dallas series and here all we talked about during the Clipper series is like Devin Booker having to rescue them. Devin Booker having to rescue them. He went into downhill maniac mode in the fourth quarter, Kevin, and it barely mattered. Like he was getting to the rim at will and the scoreboard just kept staying the same. They, they cannot rely on him to do that and they cannot rely on Durant to do it either. They have to be much better as a team. So I think that in game two, the way that they play and the way that everyone else plays is going to be really telling. And then I also think that if Monty is actually going to show not actually, but he is going to show an ability because I thought a good rotation tweak from him was pulling Aiden early and then getting Aiden in there to do the small ball thing. It was a good idea and it kind of worked, but the, he was talking about how like the ball movement was too slow and the ball was sticky in those places. And it's like, yeah, because you guys don't, you guys aren't good at this. We've seen this for three years getting in the ball when there's a small on him, it's just you're not good at it. You guys have sucked at it for a while now. So yeah. they have got to adjust. He has got to not play Shamit. He has got to go small next game. DeAndre has not got to get outworked by Aiden. Chris has to figure out a way to impact the game when Duran is more or less the point guard to start the game. The bench has to hit shots. They have to create shots. And Duran and Booker also have to be better at just facilitating the offense because I thought that there were times where the second or third defender was over there and they were shooting over them anyway. And at this, I was thinking like, that's still a good shot because it's not really that contested. But when you have three defenders within five feet of you, pass the ball, get the ball moving, play good basketball. And they weren't doing that either. So that's my rants and version of this saying, what we see in game two will really tell us a lot. Because if we just don't see those rotation tweaks or we don't see DeAndre working way harder, like DeAndre, the thing that went viral 
Um, it went viral because freaking Sports Center on their Instagram, so like that's 15 million followers, 7 million, 5 million, whatever. They posted it and then DeAndre commented on it. So DeAndre oh. sees this happening. Like he sees that his lack of effort is going viral now at this stage. Like he got asked about his motor the other week and that's where the Tesla battery line came from. And now he sees like national ESPN Sports Center is tweeting about it now and and making jokes about it now too. So if he doesn't come out like a bat out of hell or whatever it's called um, in game two, then that will tell us a whole lot, not only about him, but just about the direction that the team is heading in. I, I hate to make it such about a one game thing, but if they come out and they're not like that in game two, or it, it, then that'll tell us a lot. And Kevin, they can come out and show a lot of those things and lose the game still. It's not if they win or lose game two, it's how they look as a team in game two and all these Areas we've been talking about over and over again that, again, I don't feel like it's similar to last year or two years ago with like the same problems we were talking about for four straight rounds, two straight rounds or whatever. But there's just the the theme continued in in different ways. Yeah. And maybe it looks completely different if they just get up into guys. And that's what's frustrating about this team, I guess, is like they don't have that consistent like oh, I'm going to bump you again. I've said this before, like a foot off your spot just to make everything a little harder. I'm going to bump off your timing by two seconds and mess up your offensive flow. They just have these games where like, they just think they're going to outscore you and they have a very good reason to think that. But like the defense has to show up in this series and, and be better than Denver's defense. And Denver's defense, for a couple patches, uh, just did enough to turn that defense into offense, especially in transition. And that's kind of the game there. Yeah. And to, to end um, everything we just talked about for the last five or six minutes, um, there will be serious questions asked about everyone on the team, everyone on the team. If they lose the series like this, now they can lose this series in a hard fought battle, but this would not be a hard fought battle. Obviously if they played more or less like this, or they lost in this kind of fashion or in the way where they were, when they were losing the games against the Clippers, losing in that kind of fashion, there'll be questions asked about everyone, everyone, like everyone will yell about Monty and Shaman and Deandre. Like they always do, but it'll be everyone up and down. Like, yes, Chris, and it's not a guaranteed deal, but yeah, booking KD too. Like it's, this would be a huge failure for them to play this way and go out this way. There are ways where they can lose to Denver and it's not a failure, but this would be a failure. Oh, now we're talking about failures. My gosh, is it a success or not? We can't. I didn't do that on purpose. I'm sorry. <laughs> steps, Kevin. All about steps. Um, Cardinals had a good day two and day three. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I heard that too. I I knew who the uh, sixth round or seventh round cor- or sixth yeah sixth round cornerback. I've heard of him and thought he was much better than the sixth round cornerback. So, um, yeah. Cool. Just don't tamper. Just don't break rules. You know, just don't do that. Yeah, just uh, don't let Monty have his phone until, like, have him have it for, like three days. <laughs> He's like it. three days ahead of the trade deadline. Let him have it, and then don't let him have it because he'll be texting the top five prospects next year, and we can't yeah. have that. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, we'll be back for game two. Um, after that, that'll be Monday evening. And then we've got that uh, four days until game three on Friday in uh, Phoenix. Uh, but until then, make sure to do, do all the things. Read ArizonaSports.com. I don't know, man. I was going to do the like and subscribe YouTuber thing, but semi-seriously. And now I'm scared. Thanks, thanks for consuming our product. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, again, if you're always listening to this point, those are the people uh, really listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. We'll be back uh, for game two. See ya.